Hey, 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 welcome to Unplug with Annie. It's me, Annie, and I want to ask you a really important question. What is stopping you from achieving your dreams? Unplug with Annie is all about hope and perseverance, how we can together work against everything that is holding us back from achieving our dreams, even if that thing includes us. I hope that you enjoy all the conversations. Don't forget to follow Unplug with Annie on IG and Facebook, and you can stay updated with everything Unplug on the website www.unplugwithannie.com. I love to say we need to leave everything on the dance floor that is life. I am rooting for you. everyone I am back for another episode on Unplug with Annie it's been a wee while I just want to first say a happy 2022 it's a brand new year and I have a brand new guest on the show I'm going to be talking to Naz Ahmed on the show today she is a script and story executive on Hollyoaks she has such a breadth of experience across editorial soap and continuing drama roles she's worked on doctors eastenders coronation street she has also produced and directed bbc radio drama for a number of years she's also created and script edited several issue-led specials around the subject of homelessness and mental health awareness which we'll be talking about and she also fought a fierce competition to win the services to media award at the british muslim awards in recognition of her vast work around around diversity in storytelling and script editing for the BBC. So without further delay, I want to welcome Naz to the show. Hey Naz, welcome to Unplug with Annie. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to meet you. Yeah, lovely to to e-meet you, as they say. (laughs) Um, Well, I just want to jump in straight away and get to know more about you and your story. And firstly, I know you're a script and story executive, but just tell us, what did that actually mean? What do you do on a daily basis for people who don't know? Okay, well, it's quite a unique role as far as telly goes. I don't think it, it exists on any other show. So, Theoretically, I oversee uh, script and story for Hollyoaks at Lime Pictures, but I also do a lot of development. So I work a lot with kind of writers and reading spec scripts. And, you know, even within limited opportunities, just trying to bring fresh writing voices to the show. But it's a great role because it encompasses everything. I'm also across production. Um, I get to speak to lots of different people who are all brilliant to work with and great to talk to. Um, And I speak to cast quite a lot as well, just in terms of like story and character development. So those are the main functions of the role. But as you can probably imagine, it's telly. So like no two days are the same. Um, And there's lots of other stuff that needs doing as and when. And I just embrace it and throw myself into it. So very busy role, but also very rewarding. Yeah. And the, the great thing about script and story exec is I think like going by my previous roles in telly, you either work in script or you work in story. And what's great about this role is being able to use all of those experiences from the past and work across both things at the same time, which is quite unique, I think, in this industry. Yeah, for sure. And TV is super 
fast paced, obviously, especially a show like Hollyoaks, right? Yeah. So like, yes, a soap, any soap, actually. And I've worked on a few when you go out sort of five days a week that like you literally don't come up for air. You hit the ground running every day. Um and it's just bang, bang, bang. Just get the show made, get it out on time. But if you're the sort of person like I am who likes to hit the ground running 100 miles an hour, then it's the perfect place to be. Yeah. And what was it like? I mean, I I, I don't really want to talk about COVID too much. Like we've, you know, been there, done that. It seems to like have taken up our life for the last two years. But during that period in the role that you do have, um, what were the kind of challenges that you came up against if if there was any specifically related to your to your work? Um, so when COVID first hit, sort of, when was it? March 2020. Um, I was going through a really weird transition in my mind at that time anyway, in terms of like identity and my role in the world and my role in the industry. And I was like, you know, that kind of self-questioning stuff that you do. So I did something that some people would deem to be quite foolish. And I guess other people would deem to be quite brave. I decided to leave the BBC after 20 years at the top of a pandemic because I kind of felt like that wasn't quite the world I wanted to be in anymore. Um, And I wanted to go out and explore and see what else was out there. But I did actually choose to do it at possibly the worst time ever, because as soon as I did it, um, pretty much all the shows in Soap and Continuing Drama kind of halted filming. People were being furloughed. Shows weren't like proceeding with storylines anymore. So everything almost came to a standstill. And some of the shows came off air completely at some point and others kept going, but with kind of less episodes than they would usually be going out with. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it kind of hit soap and continuing drama quite hard. But at the same time, there was this beautiful resilience to the situation and the fact that, yes, we were in an ideal situation. But, you know, at some point the show has to go on. Right. And you know, these are long running shows that have been on air for years. And as soon as we were able to, everyone just got back to what they needed to do. Um, So yeah, I I kind of like left a role right at the top of it. My immediate reaction was, oh my God, what have I done? Am I going to be okay? And fortunately for me, Coronation Street, who I'd, um, I'd worked there previously back in 2014, as soon as they found out I was out there and available for work again, asked me to come back and do some storylining with them um and it was great so it was initially meant to be eight weeks and then I think three weeks in they were like can you do six months so I was like super grateful for six months work obviously um but yeah I kind of just went in there and embraced it so I did Corey for six months um and now I'm at Hollyoaks which is fab Wow, wow, wow. What a journey. That's amazing. Well, let's let's go back a little bit, rewind. Um, how did how did this bug bite? Did you always was there always a desire in you to enter this industry from for being a young girl? What was growing up like? Um, I always knew that I wanted to work in the creative industries. The telly bug didn't hit immediately, but I knew I wanted to do something creative because like, you know, even as a child, like I wasn't really interested in dolls or anything like that. I was all about the reading and always like creating little stories, anything that was like arts and crafts related. I've always had that creative bug in me. 
but storytelling is something that like I've yeah since a very young age I've always been into stories so that felt like the right direction to go in took me a while to get there so the story in a nutshell is um you know I, I I moved to London when I was 24 didn't have a job to go to didn't have uh, anywhere to live. I just literally packed a couple of bags and hit London town, as it were. Um, and then the very first job I got was uh, a front of house receptionist role in a sound studio just off Oxford Street. And I wasn't involved in creative work as such, but I was in the hub of a company that did great creative work. And so that bug just kind of intensified. So I spent probably about 13 years in London doing various roles across various creative companies, working in TV production companies and post-production companies, but still not doing the creative work that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I almost fell into it by accident. I was kind of temping at a company that actually wasn't anything to do with the creative industries. And I had this boss who was great, but kind of literally was one of those bosses who my role was very simple. It was switch his computer on, do all the admin stuff, book his flights for him. It wasn't massively satisfying, but it was work. And then I chanced across an advert um, by the BBC and they were looking to launch a new radio drama called Silver Street. And it was mostly to go out to Asian audiences as part of BBC Asian Network's um, output. And I kind of applied for the job. I just booked another flight, sent my boss off to a meeting or whatever. And I just sat there, saw the advert and thought, OK, I don't have any tele experience, but what I have is me and what, and what I think is passion that I can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And I applied for the job and then I kind of forgot about it because I wasn't sure if it was going to go anywhere. And then a few weeks later, I got invited to an interview for a role as a production coordinator and ended up working in radio drama and the next eight years brilliant journey you know I I went very quickly from production coordinator to producer I was also then directing the episodes which was fantastic and I just felt like everyone kind of recognized that I really wanted to do it and I put my back into it and the rewards were quite quick and quite sweet but I think it came off the back of the passion and the ability to put the work in so yeah so that was my radio drama bit of my journey which was fantastic Mm -hmm. um getting into tv from radio was quite hard so silver street unfortunately got axed back in 2010 by which point I was ready to move into tv and very quickly realized it wasn't going to be that simple it was that kind of thing about Radio is great, but radio is not telly. And as much as you have transferable skills and all of those things, it's actually quite hard to cross over, or it certainly was back in those days. Yeah. So yeah. it was a case of waiting very patiently for a role in telly, which eventually came. And then I script edited for a number of years. I did a lot of storylining, a lot, lot of passion projects in terms of things that were very dear to my heart. Um, and just embraced all the brilliant talent and experience around me and absorbed it and took some of that for myself and this is how we are where we are today. There you are yeah and what was I mean obviously coming from a South Asian background as well I'm really curious to know a little bit about what 
what family thought about you entering this industry, whether that was something which if you, you know, you have a close knit family and that really affected you or whether it was a case where you were like heavily supported, you know, go out there and do whatever you want. What was that kind of relationship that you had with family? Um, I didn't have any challenges in terms of like my career choices from family. I mean, my dad passed away when I was 13. So we've, you know, I've got three sisters and we were pretty much brought up by mom single-handedly. I mean, she was widowed quite young at 36 and had four young daughters to, to bring up, mostly single-handedly because we didn't have any extended family either side for various reasons. So I don't know, like back in those days, we kind of saw ourselves a little bit like the Asian version of little women, you know, and <laughs> all the challenges that come with that. Yeah. But my mom has always been incredible. She's one of the most positive influences in my life. She's always supported the directions that we've wanted to go in. I don't think she's always understood exactly what I do, which mm -hmm. is fair enough because it's quite difficult to, to explain. I mean, I can remember years where I said my mom just thought I was a journalist for the BBC and that's <laughs> That's what she told the neighbours and the community. And then, you know, of course, some of them got a little bit nervous and a bit twitchy about the fact that I was seemingly a journalist, even though yeah. I wasn't. So, um, yeah, but mum's always been really, really supportive. And she's still one of my go-to people, you know, when I'm like having my big moments of life questioning and I want to get some advice from an external source, someone who's not a friend or someone who's not in the industry, my mom is still that person I go to for the pearls of wisdom in terms of direction and everything. So, yeah, it's been great. No challenges from the family. Yeah. And we've all taken very different directions, you know, like one of my sisters works in IT. Um, another one works in a law firm. And my, el my um, eldest sister, she doesn't currently work. She's very family orientated. So we've all made very, very different choices, mm. but we've always supported each other's choices and it makes us very close knit as a family. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And as a young girl, obviously entering, you said you came to London, you were 24, you know, had to kind of learn the ropes all, all by yourself at that time, because obviously now it's a very different time. But, you know, there's a lot of we're, we're talking a lot about representation now, which wasn't really conversations we were having then, you know, the, the need for diversity in the workplace, in the entertainment industry, not just in front of the screen, but behind the screen. How has that changed for you now over the years? If you remember what it was like when you first entered, you know, radio drama and then made transferred to, to TV. Um, have you seen a significant change? Sadly, I would say not as much change as I'd hoped to see. I mean, I, I first started working in the industry, you know, back in 2001, which oh God, feels like 100 years ago. <laughs> and obviously, I think it's fair to say at that time, there was still quite a lot of work to do. And that was one of the main challenges. I mean, you know, I was fortunate in that I got this brilliant job in radio drama. Is there an argument that if it hadn't have been you know, a South Asian drama for South Asian audiences, would I have gone into, into radio um, as comfortably as that? You know, so you do have those questions along the way. I think, sadly for me, I feel like a lot of companies have got much, much better at it. Um, it's definitely better than it was 20 years ago. But I also still think there's a considerable way to go still. You know, I don't feel... 
in terms of like my journey and what I've been around, I don't feel it's changed as much as I'd hoped it would. I think some are better than others. I still think there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. And do you feel kind of that responsibility when you are script editing? And, you know, how much do you feel like you have that freedom to sort of bring share share your opinion about it and maybe insert more diversity into into you know the, the shows that you're part of I I think that's the beauty of soap and continuing drama in that you're not kind of fixated on one specific genre like you know if you if you work on higher end drama there's a genre that it normally falls into it's a thriller it's a medical drama it's a comedy drama etc um, whereas with soap, we embrace every story from every genre. And when you're going out five days a week, you absolutely have to do that. And I think I've been very lucky in that I've been very listened to over the years in terms of, you know, representation and wanting to tell those untold stories, you know, about people like me from the communities that you don't normally hear these stories from so much. Um and I've done it. I've done it on every show I've worked on. You know, I'm always the first one there saying, it's almost Ramadan. What are we doing for Ramadan this year? You know, are we having an Eid party? Let's get a bit of Bollywood into this, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. And I've been very lucky because I think, you know, it's about authenticity, isn't it? And if you come in from an authentic angle and say, look, I, you know, I'm happy to develop these stories with writers. I'm confident that we will tell those stories truthfully and represent in the right way and tell them authentically. I've been very trusted over the years in terms of being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I did a big Bollywood marriage proposal for, yeah. for a show I worked on a few years ago. And I do remember going in and saying, what if we did this big Bollywood marriage proposal with these characters and all of that? And obviously one of the things about soap and continuing drama is like everything's really tight. And you have restrictions and obviously budgets and, you know, resource and all of those things. And I remember the first reaction was, yeah, I don't know we're going to be able to do this now, but, you know, in terms of like achieving it. And it's very out of what we normally do. And I was there, you know, like a dog with a bone kind of going, yeah, I really think it's going to be brilliant and special. And you never know, we might even win an award for it someday. And, and then did. And then, yeah, we did. <laughs> we won scene of the year at the British Soap Awards. Um, but what was great about that experience for me, actually, it was the very first time I stepped into a producer role. So obviously it's special, like the first time you produce something and it's as glorious as that. And then you bring an award home, like can't get better than that, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's what what are your thoughts in terms of now though, like to make that more cemented shift? Obviously, you said there's not enough change as much as you hoped there would be by now. Obviously, we're seeing shows being made and supported and funded. Like we've had, you know, Nida Manzur's We Are Lady Parts, which did extremely well. I believe they're, you know, developing that further. Riz Ahmed is doing very significant work here, but it's been it's taken a really long time and it almost feels like with a lot of these things is it's it's sort of like a tick in a box and you'll see it once in a while but when you know when is that next thing going to come do you know what I mean yeah I I have to say I do feel firstly can I just say Lady Pops was absolutely glorious and yeah I just loved it and I loved it for the fact that somebody somewhere said 
well, this is an unusual concept and it's a Muslim punk band and it's lead female characters, but there's something that feels very fresh and very different, very bold about this. And we want to commission it. So well done, Channel 4. little bit of applause there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really excited at the prospect of the second series. But I also thought it was just so well received by viewers. I feel that commissioners... This is just my opinion. I think they are becoming more open to some of the stuff that they didn't necessarily like back before. Right. I still I still think there's not enough of it. And I think it is going to be a gradual thing. But you're absolutely right. There are people out there making a lot of noise and they absolutely should be. And I think like for me, the role I want to play in it and certainly try to play in it now is if I can help people along the way and give them their first step on the ladder and, you know, bring them in for the right reasons, because it should be about talent. Like I would never, I don't think I would ever champion someone and bring them onto any of the shows that I worked for because someone somewhere needed to tick a box. Like that's not what I'm about. If I see the talent out there and I've got an opportunity to develop that talent, I will absolutely do that. I often get frustrated about the fact that, you know, on some kind of Zen level, I want to help everybody, right? I want to put everyone on the map. Yeah, I want to give yeah. everybody a writing commission. I want to give every actor that I love out there a job on Hollyoaks. Realistically, it ain't going to happen. Yeah, but I think yeah. what's important to me is just make those small differences along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that a lot. I mean, one thing that I've, I've spoken about was a lot of other South Asian artists, you know, from different backgrounds, not just actors, yeah. but, but behind the camera and 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 writers. And um, one thing I, I find, like, if I'm observing South Asian culture, and I don't know what it is about it, but there's almost this, um, because of the lack of representation, I feel like it creates this um, lack of mentality where there's almost like a fear of even you know sharing opportunities within the community and um, because you just feel like there's that one role and when it's gone it's like okay well now I don't have a chance and I feel like somewhere that's really deeply rooted and I'm again like you you know if I hear of something and I'm not right for it or even if I am right for it I you know I would suggest other people who are right for it because I think I've tried to let go and remind myself that there's enough space you know like what's going to be right for me isn't necessarily going to be right for someone else and vice versa yeah. but it's so hard to get stuck into that thinking um and yeah what are your thoughts about that yeah, I think it's challenging. And I, like you, want to believe that there's enough space for everyone. I think like my experience is there's lots of incredible talent out there, but there are still very limited opportunities. So unfortunately, as much as I hate to utter the words, it's a bit supply and demand. It shouldn't be, but obviously it is. Um, and all you can do, I guess, is to try and make a little bit of a difference where you can. I mean, the one thing I'll say about the role I'm doing at the moment is the company that I currently work for, I just feel they've really got behind diversity and inclusion. And, you know, we're, we're taking small steps in a positive way, like every day, every week. And you do your best within the model that you can operate in. And I think that's all you can do, really. 
I think I'm very fortunate in that, you know, I'm in a position to be able to help some people, not everybody, yeah, but I yeah. can help some people. And through the storytelling, through the writing, through through the casting that opportunities that are available. Mm-hmm. And I will always do my best to push for those things within what I've got to work with. Of course. But I mean, Hollyoaks are great in terms of like diversity. I mean, I think they're I'm not saying it because they're my employer and I'm biased or anything. I genuinely can see it when I'm there. And I've worked in a lot of places where, unfortunately, it's not that visible and yeah. it should be, you know? Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing. I'm I'm really happy to hear that. That's really great. I know something else that you you are really passionate to to talk about and insert in your work is is the subjects of, of homelessness and, and mental health. And yeah. is there, if you could talk a little bit more about why you are super passionate about, you know, sharing these stories and, and getting these stories um, mainstream visibility, if you like. Yeah, sure. So, you know, one of the things that I've always been inspired by and it's played into my career choices is, you know, issue led stories and people's like real life experiences I mean I meet so many people from different walks of life and some of them have like incredible stories to tell and I just feel some of the best stories come from actual real life experience you know the good the bad the ugly all of that um with homelessness it's something that I've always felt quite passionate about and so when the opportunity came up um on the BBC show that I was working on a a couple of years ago, actually, uh, we decided to do a week of special episodes around homelessness and to not shy away from the brutal realities around homelessness. Um, And we did that and we told some really powerful stories over over a week's worth of episodes. And I kind of did lots of stuff in terms of research, absolutely. But also, I remember getting together with some of the cast and a couple of members on production. And Birmingham do this kind of big sleep out every year. And we'd set up a, a charity a fundraising page. And the, a group of us got together and we literally went out and did the big sleep out. And it was it was just such an eye opener. You know, you turn up, you register, they give you a piece of cardboard and some plastic and then you kind of go away and build a shelter and we slept there all night and it was absolutely freezing I think it was like November or something and it was at the time that we were kind of planning the stories around this special week Mm -hmm. but I genuinely believe that experience of sleeping out and kind of like experiencing it for ourselves really lended itself to how we told those stories and it was uh Brilliant. Um, In terms of mental health, there's a personal journey there. So I kind of woke up one day a few years ago and felt really, really anxious. and I couldn't understand where it was coming from. And I remember going to my car in the morning and not being able to drive my car. And suddenly I was on this big journey in my head with kind of going from like being the strongest person I knew who was always in control to just feeling really anxious developing a full-blown driving phobia I went into CBT therapy for a for a period of time we had to slowly get me back to the point and try and find out why that had happened and why I didn't feel like I could drive anymore and my therapist was brilliant he was kind of like 
yeah, we could sit here for the next four weeks and try and find that thing that happened when you were 17. Or we can just go, right, this is where we're at now and this is where we need to be again. So we kind of focused on that. And eventually, you know, we managed to conquer it and we got me driving again. But the anxiety obviously is an ongoing thing and it requires a lot of self-management. And, you know, some days it kind of rears its ugly head again and it's it's hard, you know, it's tough. But at the same time, I've learned to manage it using techniques that work for me. So, so pretty much everywhere I go, I'm very behind mental health stories. I mean, you know, we're developing a number of mental health stories on Hollyoaks at the moment. I've done a lot of mental health stories on other shows that I've worked on. Um, again, it was a BBC show. We did a big week of mental health um, episodes in um, May, which was Mental Health Awareness Month that year, and told a different story every day, but also had stories with regular characters and what have you. But one of the stories that we did tell uh, was a version of the anxiety story that I actually like played my own life experiences oh. into. Um, but also exploring mental health stigma in the Asian communities was really important. So we did a story around um, a young Asian character who was displaying symptoms of being bipolar, but also um, played the generational thing with a mother who had bipolar, but it had never been diagnosed. And we explored the things about shame in the community and not being able to talk about it and all those sorts of things. Yes very very passionate about those stories and I hope I'm always you know going to be working in places where I can continue to tell those stories because they're really important and it's not something you do in a week of episodes and then everything's great again it's ongoing work and it's important to reach out to people to raise awareness and I think as drama makers we have a responsibility to do it but we also have the perfect platform to do it too yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I think using your own experiences, that that is the best way because, you know, how that's the most intimate way you understand um, the journey and, and yeah. you know, you're able to empathize and, and yeah, sympathize. I think that's that's really great. And it is it is. I'm so glad that more and more people are talking about it. And like you said, South Asian community. Absolutely. I think shame is a huge thing. Yeah. Um, seeing these subjects as taboo, not being able to talk about it with friends and family. It's just, it's like heartbreaking. So yeah. um, I absolutely love that. Yeah, I, I once I like got to a point where I accepted that it was happening and I'd reached out for help. I was very open at that time on social media about my journey. And what I found incredible was the number of people that sent me private messages at that time saying oh my god like I thought it was just me who couldn't do the driving thing I thought it was just me who got anxious about these certain things and people were sharing with me and not necessarily in a public way in the way that I was but they were sharing their stories with me and it was all very relatable to a lot of people and to me that's really important you know like if I can encourage a few people to open up and talk about it even if it's privately to just me then it's a good thing to do. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I absolutely love that. So as well, as well as mental health, I'm, I'm really big on, you know, talking about, especially talking to, to, to women and just for women to be able to empower each other. I think that's such a big thing. Yeah. And I just wanted to know a little bit about 
you being I mean it you're in this profession which is so demanding of your of your time of your energy of everything else and you know often as women we struggle with this idea of balance especially between our personal lives and you know our professional lives and I think in this industry it that those lines really blur right like the demands of it even as an actor I feel like it's not something you just leave at the office you very much do take it home and you know how do you how have you found that journey is that something that you are completely content with or do you feel like that's an ongoing sort of conflict that you have it's an interesting question actually because I've never kind of felt specifically that actually being a woman has made that balance harder for me, but I appreciate that is the case for, you know, other women in the industry. I mean, I'm not married. I don't have children. I'm pretty much a free spirit. I can go where the work is. I'm not tied down in in the way that a lot of women have to balance home and work. If anything, I'm guilty of kind of just living and breathing work probably a bit too much. And maybe if I had a family, I wouldn't do that in terms of like a young family or whatever um so yeah that's not really been a big challenge for me I mean going back to what you said at the top of that question about women championing other women that's really important to me because also like I think it's just worth saying like when I talk about diversity in the industry obviously there is obvious diversity that and representation that I'm talking about but for me it's also wider than that it's about you know giving women opportunities in the industry in terms of, you know, writing opportunities, acting opportunities. Um, And I don't know, like, there's a lot of debate at the moment in terms of, like, the lack of opportunities for older women and, you know, do they get to a certain age and they're not seen anymore or heard anymore. And I like to feel like I play a part in not letting that happen if I can, you know. I mean, I'll be very honest, like the majority of like writing teams that I've worked with in the past, I would I think it's fair to say it's been mostly men on those teams. So the ratio of men to women, you know, hasn't always been equally balanced. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but me personally, has it been challenging being a woman? I'm not sure it has, if if I'm honest with you. Um, that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely but that's I mean that yeah that's encouraging and I think like you said I think everyone's in a different everyone's circumstances are different right and if you yeah if you are uh, in a marriage or you have young kids these kind of things become much more challenging I suppose to navigate so it's always interesting to get everyone's different perspective absolutely absolutely and and the thing about this industry is it is tough it's never going to be a nine to five job in fact that's not what you sign up to and if that's what you're expecting then you're probably going to end up a little bit disillusioned at some point um and I feel for people who have to balance it a bit more than I do possibly um I think I've been quite lucky in that yeah, I just like if I like the sound of something and it's based on the other side of the country, I don't have to like consider some of the things that other people need to consider. Having said that, though, I, I think just worth touching on a lot of the times that I've had like meetings with people and I've been very fortunate, you know, over the years, like, for example, three years ago when I when I left the BBC, the first thing I kind of explored was 
do people like me cross over into high-end drama? And what does that even mean when you've worked in soap and continuing drama for such a long time? Mm. Um, and I was having a lot of meetings and I was very fortunate. I was firing off lots of spec emails saying, will you meet me? Can we talk? Might you have a job for someone like me? And it was great. But I did realise that two things actually were very prominent. Was It was great people were happy to meet with me. I felt there was a little bit of snobbery around kind of regional and soap and continuing drama, actually. So mm. a lot of the companies, I think, still kind of prefer people who are based in London, dare I say it. I mean, that that felt a little bit okay. transparent at times. Um, but yeah, there was a quite a bit of snobbery around soap and continuing drama. And what I mean by that is, yes, you've got the skills across script and story and all of those things and you've got a solid CV with lots of experience on it but they often felt like there was a reluctance to consider people who hadn't already worked on a high-end right. you know returning drama series or had a certain type of experience I mean I used to get asked things like have you ever adapted a book and what was that like? And then I kind of have to say things like, <laughs> when you work in soap and continuing drama, you're not adapting a book to get your stories. Like you're literally creating stories from scratch. And yeah. actually that's, that's the joy of it, right? Like you have a blank canvas and suddenly you're creating this story that can run for months and months and months. And then there were other people that would say things like, what's your experience of the international drama landscape? Of course, you can talk about the things that you watch, yeah. but in terms of like working um, on something where you're involved with international drama, when you come from soap and continuing drama, it's a UK thing, right? Like I'm working right. on UK soap. So some of that used to throw me <laughs> a little bit, um, but I'd be like, you know, thank you so much for meeting with me, but it's quite clear that as much as my... I feel my experience is brilliant. It's not going to necessarily lend itself to crossing over. And that's been one of the biggest, you know, one of the questions you sent me was what are the highs and the lows and what have the obstacles been? Mm. And I think one of the obstacles then was, yeah, the, the the people out there who were great to talk to, but the crossing over from soap and continuing drama to high end didn't feel like it was going to happen anytime soon. However, let me just say it doesn't actually matter because I am working back on a soap again. And mm -hmm. there's a part of me that kind of feels like it's a perfect home for me in terms of like my experience. And like I said earlier, the stories that I want to tell. And yeah. I do have a, a I do have, you know, a platform for helping people and women particularly, actually, you know, I'm working really hard to get more for female voices out there in whatever shape or form yeah, um yeah. I'm sure you know I quite I I post a lot of quotes on Twitter it's probably quite irritating for some people <laughs> but a lot of those quotes are me using more more gifts from Shit's Creek um and it's all about inspiring other women out there and stuff yeah. so yeah that is kind of something that I'm hopefully going to carry on doing yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, in terms of love for quotes, that's that's me as well. I probably irritate a lot of people with my love for quotes. But um, yeah, that's that's so interesting. And uh, well, I mean, I just feel like, like you said, yeah, you, you've made a home where you are, but I'm I'm pretty sure 
you know, more and more opportunities will open up and, and, and can open up and take you in a different direction before you know it. Who knows? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, it's very early days, so I won't divulge too much. But actually, just coming off the back of those experiences where there was a bit of a struggle with crossing over and what have you, I actually just sat down one day and came up with my own original drama idea, which I'm developing at the moment with a writer who's absolutely brilliant. And I'm hopeful that I will be able to develop my own idea. And that's not me saying, you know, if you won't give me a job, then why why don't I go and do it myself? But it kind of is me saying, why why don't I just go and do it myself? You know, I'm a powerhouse of ideas. I've worked in soaps for a very long time I don't think I'm ever going to dry up and run out of ideas but I have come up with something that could be quite special as we continue to develop it so yeah watch this space let's see what happens yeah that's amazing fantastic well I suppose yeah it's interesting there's a there's a a sort of a, a dialectic there isn't there because I feel like yeah if sometimes if you are not given things on a plate but sometimes if the journey is easy we 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 sometimes don't take that leap and, and start yeah. creating for ourselves so the fact that you're doing that just goes to show that you know something with sparks there which has propelled you yeah. to, to do and I, absolutely and like you know I would the one thing I would say quite categorically is the journey has not been easy for me you know I didn't go to university. I don't have the right degree in terms of like working in TV or anything. I'm a grafter. Like I started at the bottom and I worked my way up and it took a very long time. You know, I was the person who would stay late when everybody else was like leaving the office for the day and heading to the you know nearest bar. I was always that person who would go the extra mile, give up my weekends and stuff. But I I don't mind doing that because, you know, there was a time where, you know, there was a little bit of a thing about universities and degrees and all that kind of thing. And, you know, opportunities went to certain types of people more comfortably than they did Mm. with people like me. You know, I make no secret of the fact that I'm a grassroots girl, you know, born and bred in Birmingham. that's why I think a lot of the time when I'm devising stories for like soaps and things, just telling those stories about people from, you know, working classes that recognizing the socioeconomic divide and stuff mm. in your storytelling. Again, another thing that I'm quite passionate about. And it comes a lot from my own journey. Like, you know, the number of interviews I've had over the years and people have said, what university did you go to? So it's interesting because yeah. like, there's that immediate assumption that you definitely did go to university, but also it's relevant which one you went to. And I think I've thrown a lot of people just by saying, oh, no, I never did go to university, actually. I've literally just worked all my life. Um, but it's been a great journey. It's taken a long time to get to where I am, but it's been great. Yeah. No, I mean, there's there's so much I can relate to. And I think so many people are going to relate to listening to you because, yeah, there, there's not one formula. There's not like one method. And I think even, you know, in the acting front, like uh, me not going the drama school route and, and so many actors don't actually now. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's super relatable. I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to what you're saying. And um, yeah, it definitely not one way guarantees success. And success yeah. is, is such a, I mean, it, that's whatever you want success to look like and be, right, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
you know, one again, one of the questions you sent me was, what 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 are the influences that you've had? Yeah. And actually, weirdly, one of the things I would say is the negative influences along the way are actually the ones that I've learned the greatest lessons from. And actually, they've put the biggest fire in my belly in terms of what I want to achieve. Mm. I mean, I've told I've told this story quite openly on Twitter quite a few times. And Twitter is the only social media I do. I'm not on Facebook or anything. Um, I remember many, many years ago, someone telling me the closest I would ever get to a career in broadcasting would be calling the minicabs back to base. Now, those words wow. have never left me all my life. And actually, if you said to me, what is the greatest influence in terms of your career? It was those words that were said to me. And that, and that kind of, you know, that thing you have inside you where you're like absolutely going to prove you wrong on that. And I don't know where that person is now or what they're doing or anything. And I wish them well. But um, those words have never left me. Mm-hmm. And as hard as it's been at times, and, you know, it has been tough. Like you have real wobbles sometimes and you kind of think, is this still the world for me? Is this where I really belong? And I've had not masses, but I've had a couple of moments where I've gone, should I just leave TV now? Like, what can I really do to make a difference here? Am I banging my head against a brick wall? And then somehow those words always come back to haunt me. And I kind of go, no, actually, I'm not ready to leave the industry I've given it a lot of years of my life and I like to think I've done some positive things along the way. So there is still more work for me to do. So those wobbles disappear quite quickly. Yeah, no, amazing, amazing, amazing. Just a couple of last questions to wrap up. Um, I I feel like I could just keep talking, but (laughs) I'm conscious of... Yeah, me too, unfortunately, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) No, 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 it's great. Um, I, yeah, just relating back to, you know, that that we were spoke about mental health a little bit. Is there is there one thing that you sort of commit to in terms of something daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it is for you specifically to, to unplug from the world? What is is there something which is important to you in your routine and whether, you know, whatever that looks like for you? Right. So there are two things that I do and you'll be like, but isn't that a bit like work now? So I, I'm like, no, it isn't like work. It sort of is like work, but it isn't work. Yeah. There's two things that really help me to unplug from, you know, obviously the daily stresses and trials and tribulations of working on a massive beast like soap. I love Sundays where me and my mother uh, sit down and we watch classic Bollywood movies, all the music that I grew up on, you know, some of the movies from the 70s that had like probably the worst plots in the world <laughs> and you know, plot holes you could drive a truck through. But they were glorious and colourful and joyous and they remind me of my childhood. And it's something that we do quite a lot. And that is a really great way for me to unplug. Oh. And also it isn't work because it's Bollywood, right? So and also it's quality time with someone who's very precious to me. And the other thing I do, and there's a little story I'm going to tell you very quickly on that one. So when I was at school, because I was terrible at speaking my mother tongue, I did O level um Urdu Mm -hmm. and I was dreadful at it. And I was the only person that year who failed, failed O level Urdu and had to come home and say, You'll never guess what, I only went and failed also. <laughs> but one of the things I do now to unplug 
I love my Pakistani drama serials. Like I just love them. And there's something where, you know, I come upstairs and I switch all the lights off and I lie in my bed and I just watch these Pakistani drama serials. And I think they've come such a long way, you know, in the last few years. They tell brilliant social stories, you know, they reach into taboo subjects. And I think they've got much better at exploring all of that but also got better at giving kind of lead female characters like positive stories and journeys um and now I can speak Urdu really really well wow oh my god yeah turn the negative into a positive so the next time I have a meeting and someone says (laughs) talk to us a little bit about your um experience of international drama landscapes I'm not going to talk about all the brilliant American series I watch on Netflix I'm going to talk about Pakistani drama serials right wow yeah championing it that's great that's amazing and and last but not least of course is a question what 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 is the unique imprint you know what is that for you your legacy that you would like to, to to leave behind so The legacy I would like to leave behind is, well, these words, quite simply, she didn't change everything because nobody can change everything, but she made a small positive difference everywhere she went. And that's what I would like my legacy to be. I love that. I love that. Leaving a a dent in the world for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Naz, it was so amazing to speak to you. I really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And um, thank you. No, thank you. And um, yeah, I can't wait to to hear what people think. And I really, really feel like it's going to resonate with so many people. So thanks for sharing. And you're very welcome. And I just want to say before I go, like, as tough as it gets, as hard as it is, the number of brick walls you feel you have to penetrate sometimes to be listened to and get your creativity out there. Have your wobbles, by all means. It's a natural part of the process. But the one thing I want to say to anyone who who listens to this is don't give up. If you're passionate about something, just, just keep going as hard as it gets. And I've been there and I've almost given up. And I'm so grateful that I didn't. And that is all I would like to leave it on, really, is just keep going. If you're passionate about something, someone out there will give you that opportunity, I would like to believe. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen to that. Amen (laughs) to that. Thank you so much again. Thank you. That's it from me today on Unplug with Annie. Until next time, remember you can stay tuned with everything Unplug on www.unplugwithannie.com. I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite quotes from Mandy Hale. You'll learn as you get older that rules are made to be broken. Be bold enough to live life on your terms and never ever apologize for it. Go against the grain, refuse to conform, Take the road less travelled instead of the well-beaten path. Laugh in the face of adversity and leap before you look. Dance as though everybody is watching. March to the beat of your own drummer and stubbornly refuse to fit in.